the network you love. This is the VA Talk Show, where VAs talk the walk. Bandwidth is provided by VANetworking.com, your online community for VAs all over the world. Welcome, everyone, to the sixth edition of the VA Talk Show, where VAs talk the walk. Today, we have a very special guest. Her name is Bonnie Jo Davis, who is here to teach us all about article marketing. It's a show you won't want to miss if you want to increase your popularity on the Internet by doing some writing of your own niche. And speaking of niching, Carrie joins me again on our next WebWise show on niching yourself online for success. And Brent is back for another Rock Talk, a great show ahead, and hope you enjoy it. Before we get started, I'd like to open up the show with an interesting opportunity for virtual assistants and clients that could highly benefit their virtual businesses. VANetworking.com is proud to sponsor the new VA Intern Program, which you can read all about at www.vainterns.com. The program was set up to help promote the next generation of virtual assistants entering the workforce, gain the virtual work experience required to launch and maintain a successful VA business. It's also a great opportunity for clients to test the waters for their expansion and subcontract plans at an economical rate of $8 per hour, which goes towards covering administrative and project management costs within the VA intern program. Our VA interns, and I do believe we have about 30 signed up now, so the program is closed to take on any new VA interns at the moment. They've all enthusiastically donated their time, and in exchange, the VA intern program instills confidence and gives them valuable experience working virtually with clients in a real-world scenario. Our VA intern program has been designed from the outset as an internship-based training program to help develop the skills through work experience a virtual assistant truly needs to make a successful career in this ever-expanding industry. Example of some of the services our VA interns can provide your company are things like internet research, or email correspondent management. They do dictation, transcription. They're great at proofreading, editing, formatting things from eBooks to resumes and developing your cover letters and teaching materials, including PowerPoint presentations. They do a lot of data management on forms and Excel spreadsheets for you. And they can even do Adobe PDF creations and conversions. So if you're too busy to keep up with everything that is going on in your business and you're thinking of expanding, check out the VA intern program because it could be, I'm sure of it, a solution for your business. And you can learn more about this valuable outsourcing service at www.vainterns.com. Our special guest speaker today is Bonnie Jo Davis of 
articles.sell.com, who is not only a VA herself, but also an article marketing expert. Bonnie loves helping other entrepreneurs building their businesses using article marketing and is here today to show us some ways to gain credibility and clients in RVA businesses by offering article marketing services or just using this new service for our own businesses. Bonnie, welcome and great subject. I'm looking really forward to it today. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Article marketing is one that is not probably that hard to do. We just need your advice on how to get started with doing it. (laughs) That's right. And I can give you plenty of advice. (laughs) Bonnie has provided us with this really cool handout that we will upload at the VA Talk Show Notes. And it's going to have all the many links. And I'll tell you, there's tons of stuff in this document. Bonnie, thank you so much for supplying it to us uh, that you can... Yeah, that you can download and follow right along with us if you want to download it before the show and follow right... Well, I guess they can't download it right before the show, can they, Bonnie? (laughs) (laughs) But download it. Go download it now if you're at your computer and uh, follow along here. So, Bonnie, how can writers find a steady stream of topics if they want to start with writing articles? Well, I suggest always that they go to forums and message boards. That's usually where the hot chat is going on you know, various business topics or even personal topics. They can do some research with article directories, with articles that are already written, and then your daily newspaper or online newspaper is a good source for for current events. If they want some in-depth study on a certain topic, they could create a survey and promote that and use the results to write an article. Or they can take a look at some of the conference sites that list conferences, and those are usually very cutting-edge topics that people are talking about, you know, is what the conference organizer wants to give them. So that's a great place to get topics. I, I didn't even, I never even thought about surveys and putting a survey up just to find out if there's even some interest in the topics. That's a really good idea. It is a great idea, and there's lots of companies that even offer free surveys. If you have a brief survey that you want to put on your site, they'll actually do the, you know, the, the back-end work for you. Surveys are really, really good tools to find out what people are thinking about. Yeah, exactly. Now, is writing an article for the web any different than writing an article for print? It really is, It's and it's a matter of uh, more structure than necessarily topic. You can write on any topic in print and or on the internet, but you want to structure your, your articles to be easier to read on a monitor. And that's where you where you want to use lots of bullets, shorter paragraphs, make it more scannable rather than have huge blocks of text. You don't want to lose your audience's interest. Right. And, and that's so very true, even for uh, I'm a web copywriter and it's exactly the same. People on the web, they're scanning and skimming a document. Absolutely. And so they're looking for those headings or bullet points to pull them in, right? Yes, they are. They are. And you can write in a more conversational and informal style on the web. Whereas if you look at a print magazine or newsletter, it, it tends to be more formal as far as the voice of the writer. On the Internet, people prefer to read something that's funny, you know, in a more warm tone. It mm-hmm. keeps their interest if you try to be more friendly on the internet than you would be in a print publication. It's almost like you're talking right to the reader, isn't it? Yes, yes. You want to write as though you're talking to one particular person and make that the voice that you use and that, 
your readers and will identify with you more as a friend than, than just as an author. By the way, on the last question I asked you, you had a whole bunch of links in that handout. So that handout's really cool to um, download to find all the forums, article directories, newspapers, survey links, and conference links because they're all in there. Yes, Bonnie, there's lots of so links I think that. that will be very helpful. Article syndication, is that all the different sites that you can submit articles to? Yes, that's a common term in publishing, and syndication means the, pretty much the same thing as be, the, the article being reprinted, and it means that you're offering the article out to numerous websites rather than as an exclusive to okay. one publication. Again, in this handout, you've got like the top 10 general directories. Yes, and I, you um, know, because I, we don't need to go through them here, but I've got my top 10 that I've actually researched and checked traffic and response on my articles. So I keep this list and these are the top 10 places I use myself. Yeah, and I use quite a few of them too. My list is almost identical to yours. Oh, so. good. That means we're yes. both on the right track then. Mm -hmm. My number one is always easing articles. Yes. That's that's my my the first place I go when I have a new article to submit. We also have our own little directory for virtual assistant articles on our website at vanetworking.com, and I'll leave that link too because we're, we're starting to get quite a bit of traffic there. And I'm assuming not so much search engine traffic as much as I'm thinking it's more journalists looking for articles on virtual assistants. So if you're writing an article just about your virtual assistant business, throw it up in our article directory at VA Networking because we're getting quite full. I think we've got about 300 articles in there now. Oh, that's so. great. And journalists love uh, an area they can go to that's more of a niche so they don't have to search through thousands of articles, say, in a directory. Many times they want to go right to the source and get articles from the industry that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. But mostly the articles are really good for search engines too. And how do keywords come into that? Should we be incorporating them into our articles? Uh, yes, actually you should choose a small number of keywords and use it in your title, in your article summary when you're submitting to directories for instance, and also in the article itself. But narrow the field. You don't want to write an article where you've got 15 keywords. It's the, the way that search engines work it's, is that they are more focused on a, a keyword or two in each article. Mm -hmm. So I suggest don't make a long list, but make a very short and targeted list of keywords to use. It's a smaller audience, but a more unique market, really. Right, and there, those, the people that search for those terms are probably already warmed up to buy something exactly. at that point. So it's important to connect with them on that level. And I mm -hmm. think that there's lots of great tools that can help you with keywords. And in the, the handout, you'll see the one that I really like that's listed yeah. there. Do you, do you want to talk about some of the free tools that are available for article marketing? Sure, sure. Because I think you should always start out using free tools. And then once your article marketing increases your sales, you can ramp up and buy you know the more expensive tools. But I'm going to recommend that the first place you start is with uh, text editor. And no, there's a there's a notepad included in in Microsoft Windows. I prefer though something called Note NoteTab Lite. It's free and it has a lot more function than Notepad. In fact, it can do things like strip out HTML tags. It you know does word counts. It can do spelling. It's just more more uh, functional than what you would get 
you know, from Notepad. So it's called Notetab Lite, and you're going to find that the link to it in the handout. Mm -hmm. um, then I recommend that you use software to help you with your actual article submissions. Tony, I don't know if you do that or if you're doing it by hand, but I have a couple of free submitters that I recommend that people can use if they don't want to buy software. Okay. And those those are, you know, in the handout, the three that I've found are Artemis Lite, Article Manager, and Free Article Software. You can check the links in the handout and see if any of those tools will work for you. How do the press release sites react to having the articles submitted by this software? Do they reject many of them? Like there are a couple of tools, a couple of article submission software that are getting um, banned by article directories and mm -hmm. news groups and that kind of thing because they do it in a very spammy way where they're spitting out articles without paying attention to, to topic, getting the topic right and not including you know, all the parts of the article that the publisher wants to see. But the really, the smart software developers are paying attention to what the article directories want and they're, they, the way that they submit articles is slower, at a slower pace, so it, the, the software becomes invisible and the sites don't know you, that you're using it. So these two you mentioned, they they work. Or there's three of them. Actually. There's three of them. They, yes, and they work. They work kind of silently, and they don't work in a very spammy way. Um, and then there's some good paid tools. I use Article Submitter Pro now. I've switched to that, and they actually have, you know, there's software set up, and the free options have this too, where you can only submit an article to one site at a time. Mm -hmm. The if these sites are not going to want to be hit you know, with a blizzard of articles all at once. So the best way to do article submission is always use a tool or do it by hand where you do one article and to one site at a time. And I think that really helps you to make sure that you're getting the, picking the right topic that goes along with the article, you know, and that the headline's getting reprinted correctly. Well, I'm going to have to go back in and look at some of these softwares. I didn't realize there was, like, the free ones as well. Yes, but, uh, yes. Now, they won't offer as much function as a more expensive option, but there's, they're a great place to get started. Can you give us a few of the paid ones, too, on your notes afterwards? Oh, sure, sure, definitely. I can add that to the handout. Okay. Also, I have a question for you. I was using ArticleMarketer.com. Have you ever heard of that one? I have. Actually, I have used them kind of extensively. They help me with my client submissions, mm -hmm. but I started having a problem with them recently where they're submitting to directories that are the wrong topic for my, my client's articles. They're doing some you know they're doing some things that they're wrong and they're getting kicked out of some places where they can submit so i'm not i haven't been recommending that to anybody lately what i find difficult with them bonnie is i submit my article and it comes back to me 10 15 different times because i've submitted it wrong it just yeah. drives me crazy right <laughs> right right and they have some editors that are kind of new and so they'll often tell you that your article is incorrect when it actually isn't but mm -hmm. then you've got to Good. go back to them and tell them why they, you know, it's more suitable than they think it is. But yes, they do review their articles and they actually kick them back several times yeah, until very, they very get picky. it the way they want it. 
Now, Bonnie, I'm a member of your article submission sites.com and we've learned so much from all your teachings in there. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? It's, it's like a really cool membership site if you want to learn about article marketing. Yes, it's, it's, it is a membership site and it primarily is developed to give people sites that accept articles and there's about 1,500 of them that are updated every week. But also there's a lot of education in article marketing terminology, um, rules and regulations of article directories, how to query a magazine if you want to go into print or get paid to write, and just just dozens and dozens of pages that educate you all about article marketing and with a lot of emphasis on how to write for the internet. Yeah, and, and the ebook was fabulous. It was really, really good. That, I highly recommend it. That's great. Yeah. Uh, it's my favorite thing. I've got an, a, an ebook that I actually started with when I got first into doing article marketing. And I wrote about my experiences, and the, the ebook is great, and it, it gives you the whole backstory. And there's many links to different sites that can help you with article marketing in the ebook. Yeah, and, and article marketing is something that is very easy to add as a service to your virtual assistant service list. If you work for coaches or authors or, or people like that, even, I mean, I've worked for DVD companies, cruise lines, they all need their articles submitted because put an article out and you're going to get an instant backlink which really makes you credible in the search engines and backlinks bring you higher up in the search engines because it's like a vote for your website and it will rank you higher. Absolutely it helps you stand out from the crowd mm -hmm. when you do it for yourself and then if you're a virtual assistant you can offer this service and I can tell you that I make most of my money from our uh, clients that have me do their article marketing. Mm -hmm. That's my yeah. biggest service. And, and, and my business has grown every year that, you know, I've offered that service to clients. A great service. And even if you don't want to offer it to your own clients, it will be really good for your own search engine optimization of your own website as a VA and get you up higher. Yes, to start definitely. submitting some articles out. Plus, it'll niche you as an expert in an area if that's what you want to be, right? Definitely, definitely. Okay, Bonnie. Well, I thank you very much for joining us today. Um, I wish we could have you on longer today, but we've got to cut it short. Brent is on to us that our podcast is getting too long. <laughs> Well, so, uh, thank you for, for asking me to come on. I really appreciate it. And, and we'll have an interactive area afterwards in the forum, Bonnie, okay. that if people want to ask you questions, you can join in and ask there, or they can contact you directly. Everything will be on the show notes. Don't forget the downloads there. Uh, even if you don't have time to listen to us, go grab that download. It, it's really full of information. Thank you very much, Bonnie, and hope to have you back soon. Thank you. looking to get out of your nine-to-five job? Would you like to start your own profitable clerical business? Maybe you are new to the virtual assistant business and looking for templates and resources to get you over the hump of starting your own home-based business. I suggest you take a good look at the virtual business startup system created by Tanya Sutherland, a VA herself since 1997. This system will help any virtual assistant get over the mountains that are involved in setting up a new virtual business. 
Her 30-day program has been proven time and time again in countries all over the world to be simple, easy, and effective, even for someone who has never owned, managed, or operated their own business. In just 30 days, you'll be well on your way to creating your own financial security without depending on anyone else. Invest in the virtual business startup system found at www.vanetworking.com. You won't be disappointed. Hi, this is Brent, and this is a uh, podcast number six, and I am here to. I'm going to talk about uh, proper computer maintenance techniques and I just want to dispose a rumor there's a I know there's a rumor going around that somehow I accidentally um, hacked into the Cuban military mainframe and I and I just want to clear that up right now that that did not happen and I'm I'm on vacation in Paris for a reason and I'm just kind of hanging out here for a while so if anyone wants to know, I'm, I'm actually on a cafe on the corner here doing this podcast. So uh, anything is possible. I just have, I brought my microphone and my laptop and I am good to go. So I just want to clear that up in case anybody was wondering where I am because I've been kind of vacant from the forums. And I know that um, Tanya has been bugging me for this podcast and, and I've been kind of unavailable, uh, you know, traveling and stuff. I'm, I'm not really sure what to talk about. So I decided to do proper maintenance because I've noticed it on the forum. There seems to be a huge wide gap of what's what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And uh, I don't even want to talk about formatting a hard drive because that's a whole nother issue. So we're going to start with the basics and just going to have like a few tips that you should probably do on a regular basis or some good tips for keeping your computer happy and clean. Sorry, that's my coffee. I don't know where you store your computer, but it should, this is rule number one, it should not be on the floor. Uh, the, the computer is like a giant vacuum cleaner. It sucks in air to cool it, to run the air across all the internal parts, and it pushes it out the back. If you ever hold your hand to the back of the computer, you will always feel hot air coming out. That's because that's coming from the inside of your computer. So, and that's only the air that it's pushing out. It is really hot in there. So if you set it down on the ground, number one, it sucks in all the dust. You know, you ever put a vacuum cleaner on the ground and uh, just kind of suck some stuff up? What usually comes up like, you know, dog hair, cat hair, um, you know, Cheerios, spiders, dust, um, M&Ms, you know, all that stuff. And it just kind of gets sucked into your computer. Now, the biggest one is hair and dust because then it ends up clogging the holes and then your computer starts overheating. And heat is the biggest killer of any computer. It things will just heat up, and then all of a sudden, parts will just start falling off the face of the planet. Actually, this happened. I went into a place just the other day, and I had to replace some memory modules and a network card because they sat them on the ground, and the the covers, the vent covers, were all covered with dust bunnies. They overheated and died, so I had to replace memory and a network card because it just burned up. So you should always raise it up off the floor. Uh, make sure that the vents aren't clogged. 
sorry, I'm just keeping my ears open and expecting someone. Anyway, um, if you do have uh, clogged dust, you know, air vents, then you need to clean them off. Now, the best thing to do is use uh, compressed air. You just spray it in the front. You'll see either the holes are in the front or they're underneath. So the air gets sucked up underneath. Make sure you just uh, kind of blow some air around it. Now, if it's really bad, you're going to have to take the computer cover off. Every computer is different, so they all have a different way of taking the covers off. Most of them are just side panels, and usually you can just unscrew the backs and then just slide the cover out. And then you can just see the conglomerate of spider webs and dirt that's inside of your computer. And so just take the compressed air and stand back because once you start blowing air, all the dust comes back flying at you and onto the floor and all over everything. So make sure you have enough space for that to happen. And also, if you're using compressed air, use short controlled bursts because it's um, since it is compressed, it comes out cold. If you ever feel the can, it becomes freezing after a while. That's because the air starts condensating. So if you start spraying that cold air on your electronic parts, it'll pick up condensation, which means water. And then when you plug it in, you'll fry some parts. So just want to make sure you do that. And if you do unplug the computer, you know, the, the cover, make sure the computer is completely off. That means hit the start, shut down, turn off, and then take the electrical plug and unplug it from the power supply. Now, some power supplies have a little switch. You would want to switch that off first to discharge any charge left in the uh, power supply. And then pull the plug out and then do all the cleaning because you don't want to do it with the with the power on or with the the uh, power cable on so if if you don't if you feel safe doing that then that's fine just blow the air on the outside now the next thing uh, we should do is uh, get a battery backup and a surge protector and uh, i have one and I've, I've never had to use it yet but so happens, I went to a client's house on Friday and her power went out in her house. And I talked her into buying a battery backup about four years ago and she couldn't understand why she would ever need that. Why do I have to spend $80 on this thing that just sits on the ground? Well, she had a big, huge power surge in her house and then everything went off for about two and a half seconds and then powered back up and um, fried her laptop, but her computer was fine. She called me instantly and she said, I hear a beeping sound. The beeping sound was the alarm telling you to get in there and shut down any programs, save anything, and power down your computer before the battery goes bad. Now that it goes bad, I mean, runs out of juice. Her battery backup lasts, uh, it lasted about three minutes. So one is a very powerful one. You can, I recommend 350 watts or above. Uh, 350 watts is a real minimum, and that's what she had, and that's only a few minutes. I have an 850 watt, and that gives me 16 minutes to, to finish whatever I need to get finished. And so I have um, my modem, my Wi-Fi, everything plugged in, all my computer parts that I need running plugged into that unit. So I have 16 minutes to get it together before my computer shuts down, blows up, or just uh, fries. So it's a really good, uh, yes, it's, a, uh, it's an insurance policy you hopefully will never need, but if you need it, you'll be thankful and you will thank me that you bought it. All right, moving on. The next thing we need to do is uh, move on to 
temp folders, how to clean the temp folders in uh, Windows. And the easiest way, because whenever you install something or run something, it always puts a temporary folder somewhere that it uses temporarily. Once it's done, whatever it's doing, it doesn't need it anymore. Unfortunately, most programs just leave them there. There's a few programs like Adobe stuff and some high-end programs that will go back and eliminate the temp folders. Most software will not because you're not paying that much for it. So the best way to do it is to do it in the run command. So you would hit start, run, and then a little dialog box will come up with a little uh, text box. And this is what you type. You type the percentage symbol, that's the uppercase five, T-E-M-P, and then the percentage symbol again, and hit enter. Di this uh, window will come up showing you all the, your temp files in this special temp folder. What you do is you select all and delete every file in there. Now, if you get some errors on some, saying, sorry, cannot delete the file, that means it's probably being used by a program that you have open. So you should close any programs that you have open. As soon as you close them, the temp file is no longer being used and can be uh, eliminated and deleted. Uh, the other thing is um, hidden folders. It may tell you that there's some in hidden folders. Don't worry about it. They're so small, it wouldn't make a difference. And let's see what else. And that's it. It's, it's that simple. The other way to get to the run command, if you don't have it, some people, if you hit start and run isn't there, you get to just hit the Windows key and R at the same time. Go Windows R, and then the dialog box will come up. You hit percentage, temp, T-E-M-P, percentage again, enter. Easy enough. All right, now we're how to clean out uh, your internet files, all your temp internet files, these are stored in a different area. Okay, the, in, uh, we'll start with Firefox. Uh, so you go to Firefox, you go to Tools, and then there's a little under Tools that says Clear Private Data. And I'll open up this dialog box, uncheck everything except cache. Just have cache selected, unless you want to delete that other stuff too, because it keeps track of you know, your passwords and your browsing history and, you know, everything else. But if you just wanted to get rid of your temp files, it's called cache. And that's C-A-C-H-E. And it's pronounced cache. And check that and hit OK. And just follow through all the commands until it's done. Now, in Internet Explorer, it's a little bit different. In IE6, you would go to Tools. And then Internet Options. And then yeah, a little uh, well, a big box would come up. It says delete files in temp internet files. Oh, you delete the files. <laughs> I wrote this down, sorry. I was, on, I was in a hurry. I was running out the door. Uh, you delete the files in, a, in the temp internet files area. And you delete all offline files and all the other files. Just delete everything. Now in uh, Internet Explorer 7, it's a little bit different. You hit Tools, and then it says Delete Browsing History. I know it's a little confusing, because you don't want to delete your browsing history. But that brings up a box, and then there's a box that says Delete Files, and you would say Yes in the uh, Internet Temp Files. You hit Yes. All right, we're plowing through this, plowing through this. All right, then after you're done with all that, you hit your empty your recycle bin. 
boom, dump those files off your hard drive. Then we want to defrag that thing. Okay, now you got like empty holes all over your hard drive and you got to defrag it, which you should do about once a week anyway. Well, I do once a week because I move a lot of files. I'm going to give you a link for a really good program to defrag your hard drive and it's free and it works really well. It's very efficient. Uh, the Windows one does work. It takes forever and it's not so efficient and sometimes you get errors. Whereas this one, done works every time. So I'll give you a link for that. It's called Oslogic. If you're not sure about it and you don't trust me, go ahead and do a search on it on the internet and see what uh, other people say about it. And they will say that it's uh, uh, fast and efficient and it's groovy. All right, the next thing you need to do, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put my foot down on this, you need to have a backup, some kind of backup. Okay, let's say it one more time. You need to create some kind of backup scheme do something to back up. All right. Here's the funny thing. When the lady called me about her uh, computer going down because of the, the power surge, she thought she fried everything. She said, thank God I have my Mac store backup. Because I, I got her uh, one of those one-touch Mac stores. And she was so thankful that she had a backup and that I supplied a, a backup scheme for her that she could just back up every single day. So you either create a, um, have a backup, like an external backup in, in your house, on, you make DVDs, you make CDs, you make a hard drive, something, or online. There's a whole slew of online backup programs now, and I will put a few up that I like. And they're becoming very inexpensive. Amazon has one now, and it's really cheap. <laughs> and uh, has tons and tons of space, gigs gigs and gigs and gigs and then also if you have like a gmail account you can store up to 10 gigs of data on there and it's like i have files that i just upload to my gmail account that i can access from anywhere and it's like a little backup and whenever i go somewhere i can access these files and it's up to 10 gigs it's insane insane i tell you all right yeah, i'm still checking for my friends then, you know, and so these are these are some really basic things to do to, to keep your computer moving. There's all kinds of stuff. I've been putting some tips and tricks and hacks in, uh, in the forum. I haven't done it for a while because I've been unavailable. There's a million things you can do in Windows to make it run better, run faster, run smoother, and run it the way you want it to. It's actually one of the things I like about Windows is you can totally customize it. Well, maybe not you can, but I can. All right. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, and scan disk. You should do a scan disk on your hard drive. So what you would want to go is uh, right-click on my computer. No, I'm sorry. You click on my computer, and that would show you all your hard drives. If you have like 10 like I do. Most people just only have one. So you just right-click on it, and then it says uh, properties, and then I'll open a dialog box. It says tools, and then it says scan disk. If you're running Windows 2000 or XP, you hit uh, scan now, it'll tell you that it needs a scan on reboot. You should do that, you know, once a month, once or two months, just so it, it checks your hard drive for inconsistencies and it will alert you if you're starting to have hard drive failure. If you are, then you need to figure something out before it actually goes bad. It's better to have preventive maintenance than no maintenance and then you have a dead hard drive and no battery backup and no uh, hard drive backup. Okay, last thing I wanna talk about is registry cleanup. I know I'm running a little long here. 
and registry cleanup. I've, I've seen like many, many things in the forum about, yeah, just get this program and hit registry cleanup button and then, uh, you know, just say yes to everything. I don't know if you know what the, if you don't know what the registry is, okay, here, here, let's do it this way. Okay, if you're gonna do that, the first thing you need to do is make a registry backup. Then, store it on a disk or somewhere off the computer or in another file that isn't on the root drive, okay. Now, if you didn't understand anything that I said and you don't know how to do that, then you shouldn't be cleaning your registry because all these, if you ever look at a registry cleaner, it gives you all this information of stuff you're gonna delete. Tell me that you know what, it, what all that means. If it doesn't know, if you don't know what that means, then you should not be doing that. The registry is what makes your computer run. If you mess up your registry, things will not be working so well. Now, I have no idea what registry program people are using. There are some good ones out there and there are some bad ones. Now, if you accidentally uh, click something and delete something that you weren't supposed to and then you're wondering why Photoshop won't open up anymore or, or um, it's missing a DLL file and you don't know what to do, then you just screwed yourself because it dumped it in the registry program. The registry does not take up that much space. Yes, there are some loose ends in registries and uh, you can actually check to see how much your reg most registries are like 22 megabytes or 54 megabytes at the max. You know, they're they're not that big. And especially in by today's comparison of huge I have songs that <laughs> have bigger file sizes than my registry. And that's one song. You know, it's not that big of a deal. I'm really pushing people not to mess with their registry unless you really know what you're doing. Now, the registry can be a great place to have a lot of fun. I go in and I change things in my registry only because I know what I'm doing. And if I and there's a lot of things in the registry I don't know, so I don't really mess with it. <laughs> so, but it's a huge, com confusing, complicated place. All right, I think I'm done. That's it, I'm out of here, okay. If you don't hear from me for a few weeks, you know, I'm just having a good time here in Paris. I'm uh, looking at the Louvre. Uh, you know, I'm, I can see the Eiffel Tower from the corner here, and I don't speak any French. And um, I'll see you in a few weeks. So, oh, geez. Okay, gotta go. Gotta go. Oh, gotta, gotta go. All right. I'm sorry I gotta go, but um, my, my friends are here. And so um, I just have to, uh, I'll upload this. And then, and then I gotta go. Okay, so it was good seeing you all, and I hope you all have a great time. And uh, and uh, adios. Uh,
Join Carrie and Tanya, your hosts of WebWise. Carrie Flatlett and myself, Tanya Sutherland, are back again for another edition of WebWise. What will we talk about today? It's the niche, isn't it? How do yeah, you... we're going to talk about why you need a niche to succeed on the internet. Right. Unless you're Microsoft Ford or another biggie trying to cast your net too wide over many target markets will probably not make you good returns on your marketing dollar. Trying to compete is risky and expensive, and here's why. Take it away, Carrie. Thanks, Tanya. Number one, um, for search engine optimization purposes, niching really forces you to choose very specific keywords and key phrases. So it forces you to think about how your target market thinks and how they behave on the internet. The niche phrases, which are usually two and three word phrases, are less competitive, but they generally convert really, really well because people who search on two, three, even four word key phrases, they're a little further down the buying cycle. They're starting to narrow down what they want. Um, they're starting to get ready to buy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a good example might be, you know, if you're just interested in buying a plasma TV, you might search on plasma TV at the very beginning of your research. But if you want a 40-inch high-definition, whatever, I don't know what kind of plasma TVs there are, but... Uh, you know, if, if you, the further down your research, you're going to start thinking about brand names, you're going to start thinking about the actual specs on the TV that you want, the features, uh, that kind of thing. So then you're going to, maybe you're marketing to just, I don't know, sports fans who want plasma TVs for their sports or for their movies or something. Well, those people are going to search on very certain, very specific types of keywords. Yeah. Um, they're they're going to know exactly what they want. So when they get to your website and you've got those key phrases right in your copy and you're talking about that very specific thing that they searched on, the chances of them actually converting into a sale while they're on your site are really, really high. If they just searched on the word TV, well, when they get to your website, if they find it, because it's a very competitive word, they're probably kind of lollygagging. They're still comparison shopping. They're looking around and they might not feel that you're really speaking to their, their needs. Yeah. And you want to develop your content to really hit home too. Specifically, yeah. like it would all be about uh, watching sports on plasma televisions or something. Your whole mm -hmm. content would niche directly to that, and uh, uh, right. you're going to pull better for the SEO definitely. Yeah, if you're niched. And you know, you can think of lots of examples around that with virtual assistants. Well, websites. internet marketing. Like if you type in right. internet marketing virtual assistant, some people are just looking for virtual assistants that use one shopping cart, for example. So they might type right. in virtual assistant one shopping cart. And if you've got that content niched on your website, it's right. gonna benefit you because you'll show up with one shopping cart and virtual assistant, yeah. the two keywords, right? No, that's exactly right. And following in that same theme you hear a lot of people say well I don't want to leave anybody out yeah. I don't want you know I don't want Joe Smith to come to my website and feel like I'm not speaking to him too and he's not included in my target market but it's really kind of a silly thing to worry about that because you can't please everybody all the time but you can please a small group of people 99% of the time uh-huh you know, if, if you've really honed in and defined your target market really well. So you have to believe in the potential of your tightly defined target market to be a buyer. 
and to be interested in what you're doing as a specialist in the things that they want. Worrying about leaving people out is just ridiculous because there's so many markets and so many segments and sub-segments and there's millions of people on the internet shopping for things and chances are if you've thought of a target a niche target market that makes sense to you and you you have to sniff it out a little bit and make sure that the, these people do exist but you know follow your gut and try it out um, people are scared to just try something you know mm-hmm. get get online and try to niche towards a target market and if it doesn't work out then you expand your niche or you re-niche into something else but you'll always make more profits and you'll always do better with a niche because it's very very difficult to compete with larger companies who have very diverse and large target markets they have i mean you have to remember microsoft's online advertising budget is probably in the millions <laughs> i wish <You> can't <laughs> yeah yeah so you can't compete with those other companies you know you can't compete even as a virtual assistant you can't compete with say a large recruiting or temp agency who might have a ten thousand dollar advertising budget for their quarter one or something why would you want to compete with that why would you want to even try to compete with that Mm -hmm. so find a small group of people that might be interested in what you're selling yeah and and niching yourself like i i niche myself as an internet marketing virtual assistant right i get to know my clients better too because i know that my clients need press release submissions done you know they're they're people that usually use one shopping cart so i got to know that inside now and different things like that i need to learn those services specifically and it helps me be more of a value to my client because they're not looking for someone to transcribe their tapes and stuff like that when they're typing in internet marketing va they're looking for uh, a virtual assistant that knows how to use one shopping cart knows how to write press releases knows how to submit them online knows how to network online all the different things that entail within uh, internet marketing services yeah and it really forces you to focus your marketing plan if it just forces you to to develop your skills in that niche Mm -hmm. and to provide it in a consistent manner and in the end, you were saying earlier, I think something about don't be afraid of uh, leaving someone out. Well, I don't want someone to come to me that wants bookkeeping done anyways as a virtual right. assistant, right? So Well, and because then you have to divert those mm-hmm. inquiries to someone else. It's time-consuming. I mean, it's great to give a referral, but you don't want to be flooded with inquiries from people that you're not interested in working with yeah and and when you niche yourself you you start to bring in the exact clients that you want you attract the exact referrals that you want to come into your client base exactly and then there's the chemistry you can charge more because you know you can charge a premium because you're providing something that is tightly tailored to exactly what that type of individual is looking for Mm-hmm. And when they feel like you get it and you get them and their personality and their values, price suddenly doesn't become such a big issue. No. And price is good. I mean, niching yourself is going to give you a, a top dollar compared to someone yep. else. So that's yep. one good reason to go out and niche yourself. Yeah. One, one thing I got to ask you, but we're going to finish up here, Carrie, there's, I've heard people, I call it niche and I've heard other people call it niche. Which do you think it actually is, or do you think it's... <laughs> okay, so w- when you say niche, that, uh-huh. like, rubs me the wrong way 
It's like an itch. It doesn't sound yeah, right. Yeah, it rubs me the wrong way. Like when people say schedule, I hate that. <laughs> Do you remember having teachers that said schedule? What's yeah. a schedule? It's a schedule. Yes. <laughs> So I call it a, a niche. niche. Us Canadians call it niche. No. Well, maybe, know, maybe, maybe it's, it's a, a Canadian, Canadian American thing. I don't know. I, maybe we should put up a poll. Yeah, take a poll. Let's do that. We're going to put a poll up. <laughs> do you call it niche or niche? Over at the forum, in the talk show section of the forum, I want to see. Because <laughs> we have a lot of Americans and Canadians at the forum. Yes. So is it niche or niche? Write us and tell us your thoughts. So the, I guess we'll end it today, Carrie. Uh, again, if you want to succeed online, you want to niche yourself. It, it's really important, especially if you're a virtual assistant. So until next week, this is WebWise. Thanks, Tanya. That concludes our podcast today to help further inform, educate, and entertain entrepreneurs who work virtually. Check out our show notes at www.vatalkshow.com to find all the products and links discussed in our show today. Plus, interact with our guests at the vanetworking.com forum. I want to thank Bonnie Jo Davis of www.articlesubmissionsites.com for being our featured guest today and teaching us all about article marketing. I know we will all be working hard this week on writing and submitting our articles online. Thanks to our show regulars, Brent Riley and Carrie Flatla, who give the V8 talk show some extra keener knowledge on a regular basis. If you're looking for new ways to promote your product or services to a work-at-home audience, please email us at media at vanetworking.com to learn more about our advertising packages. Until our next episode, thank you for joining us at the vatalkshow.com, where VAs talk the walk. This is Tanya Sutherland wishing you success virtually.